Okay, if you would please turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Be reading, reading Ephesians 6, verse 4. <clears throat> Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Father, You are the only perfect, perfectly loving Father in existence. And You have adopted us, evidenced by our faith in Your Son. May we, throughout this morning, reflect upon your perfections and our imperfections. But to keep, first and foremost, in our mind as we who find ourselves as mothers or fathers or will one day to be pursuing, to be conformed to the image of your Son that will reflect in our love and our care and discipline of our children. Help me, Father, unpack, therefore, this text for our good and for the good of our kids, to the glory of your name. Amen. Paul says, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. I was not raised in the Lord. The way Paul says here. I was miraculously converted to Jesus to love him, to see the glory of the gospel at age 19. And and I remember when I was 20, 21, 22, I would contemplate one day, God, you may make me a father. And I thought, that is wild. Because I love you. I know you. You have absorbed and transformed my life. And so my kids will be raised up in a 24-7 Jesus home that was so different from the predominantly secular six and nine-tenths days a week kind of home I was raised up. And the Lord has blessed my wife and me with six wonderful sinners <laughs> to nurture and to train, to discipline and to raise up in the Lord with the training that is from and of the Lord. And it is Father's Day. And God is sovereign. And that means for us who are parents, His gifts of children, they're undeserved. And we should count that as a deep privilege. And on the other hand, you who 
are raised in a home with Christian parents or a Christian parent. A Christ-centered home. You should pinch yourselves. And you should be deeply thankful that the sovereign creator of the universe chose you to be raised in that home. Last week, we concentrated on the first part of verse 4, the negative. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. This morning, we turn to the second half of verse 4, the positive. But bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So Paul says, not, not provoking unduly for no goal, anger, but, and it's a very strong adversative here, it's the word Allah, not that, but in stark contrast to that, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, that word translated Bring them up. That's the main verb. It means nurture. This is the same word Paul used a few verses earlier in chapter 5, verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes. That's the word. But he nourishes and cherishes it as Christ does the church. We nourish our body. We feed it. We don't like pain. We we want to take care of our, our body. He uses it like that there. And now he says, now parents, nurture your children. He doesn't mean here, of course that's assumed, feed them. Make sure they don't die physically. Nourish their bodies. That's not what he's talking about. There's a soul there. He means nourish them with non-physical food. That's the main idea of this text. That's the main imperative verb. Now the question is, okay, nourish them, bring them up Thinking about the person that is developing through life and maturing, the eternal soul, in what sphere or or, or what realm of influence are we to be doing that? And Paul tells us very clearly with the prepositional phrase. Nourish them or bring them up in... There it is. In two things. In the discipline and in the instruction. That's the realm. That's how you nurture them. So the first word the ESV translates in the discipline of the Lord. That is the word paideia. That's the word that normally means when it comes to children and growing up that there is instruction or discipline. Discipline in the sense of a father that you see in the Scripture. Human fathers. Or God Himself as a father. Bringing correction. 
bringing warning, deterrence from continually going down the path of disobedience, but in their discipline, training, they're turning their children the other way. Away from the path of disobedience. That's the first word. The second word in that prepositional phrase, bringing up in the discipline and instruction, is the word nuthasia, which comes from two Greek words. First is nous, which means mind. And the second word is tithemi. These words come together. Tithemi means to place. So bring them up in, in the sense of to place upon the mind. That's child-rearing. You're doing something with their thought processes. You are molding and putting upon the mind. You exert influence over your children. The way they think and what they think. Now, how how do we parents do that? We do it by teaching. We do it by counsel. We do it by admonition, warning, correction, etc. And so what Paul is saying here, this parenting, this nurturing, it has positive teaching and it has negative teaching and correction and warning. Actually, probably the second word would be better translated, admonition. The second word is the more verbal one. Okay, to admonish, it's probably more clear to what Paul means here than just mere instruction. It is instruction, but it's instruction that brings also admonition. You're instructing against their disobedience, against what is wrong. So together, Paul's saying, nurture your children in the training. That is the ongoing activity of education, doing life. That's the first word. And also then... With the verbal, the teaching, the correcting, the warning, that's ad- admonishing, that part of the training. And then Paul says, all of this, nurturing, the training, the admonition, is defined as of the Lord. The Lord, the Creator, Jesus Christ. So what does he mean when he says, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord? That of the Lord could be taken different ways. I do not think Paul means here that it is an objective genitive. Which means the Lord is not the object that we're teaching to our kids. Oh yeah, just teach them about Jesus. That's not what he's saying. But it's a subjective genitive. Genitive. The genitive in English is a, of the Lord. We mean by of, meaning the Lord is the subject doing the discipline and admonition. Ultimately, fathers, mothers, parents—that's your duty. The Lord Jesus here is the one teaching, admonishing, training, disciplining. The training and the admonition, Paul says, comes from 
the Lord through the fathers and the mothers. That's what he means by of the Lord. He's saying that parents are the Lord's agents. And therefore we who are believers in Christ are admonished here to raise our kids according to Christ's mandates, His doctrines, His ways. We're commanded to lovingly exhort and encourage and correct our kids with God's Word, with wisdom, with a Christ-centered worldview. With a moral compass of right and wrong. Well, what's that? We'll start with the Ten Commandments. Are those for Christians? Absolutely. You find yourself justified by faith alone in Christ. There's your moral compass. Raise them with it. Training as parents requires years of patience and patient endurance in encouragement of our kids and in correction of our kids. We as parents, according to this text, are their authority. We are their caretaker. We are their police department and we are their in-house judicial system. And no wonder we get worn out. That's what we are. If you love your kids, the more we will endeavor to try to persevere in being that for them. We're to teach our kids to not give in to their selfishness. We're to teach them not to give in to rebellion and disobedience. We're to train our children as we're raising them not to be constantly controlled by their emotions. We're to teach them how to relate lovingly to others. How to work through disagreement Conflict with others. How to become themselves a disciplined person with their time concerning their schooling, concerning their chores, and concerning their play. We teach them and we model how to be good stewards of their money and to never spend the top 10% on their own selfish needs. But they dedicate that to God who created them and gives them the power to make wealth and is sovereign over everything they have. We, we train them through example and teaching that God is God. And the way to walk in life in wisdom begins with the fear of that God. And at the very core of raising our kids, we teach them to respect other human beings in authority. 
We teach them. You respect your teacher. You respect your coaches. You respect the police. But foundationally of all that, the way we do that is first and foremost in the home. You honor and you respect your mom and your dad. It all begins right there. That's our calling as parents. There are thousands and thousands of books on parenting and child rearing with all kinds of philosophies and ideologies from which they come. And therefore, many of them are horrific and wrong and damaging. Many of them come from godless worldviews and anti-Judeo-Christian sense. Many of them come from Christians and some of them are good and some of them are really kooky. So I'm going to go into the fray here with them then and give a few practical examples and you'll figure out which category to put them in in trying to live out this text. But in everything I'm going to say, here's the one main thing I'm saying. And so hear and read everything I'm going to say in this context. The biggest thing we can give to our children as we are raising them. And there's different... We go through life things in our right parenthood and midlife and older, but in children, a three-year-old is different than an eight-year-old, an eight-year-old is different than a twelve-year-old. We go through all these stages. We're always trying to figure this out. But the biggest thing we can give them if we really want them to be happy as children, and more importantly, happy as adults, is that we make it clear we're not their equal. In authority and submission. We are their authority. And there is a distinction between mom and dad in this context and the demand for their obedience. To raise them up in the discipline, the admonition and instruction of the Lord. That's what I'm really going to be saying, but now in different words. Having said that, here's the first truism. More is caught than is taught. And that's bad news. And it's good news. And it's usually, it's usually a mix going on. Teaching, instruction, rules not to break, lectures to our children, all of that is important. And we are not to not do that. We are to do that. But overall, they will even learn far more from how we live. They will learn what's important to us by what we do more than what we say. By watching us as moms and dads live our lives. So for example, kids were Christians. 
We believe in Jesus Christ, the only Savior, the only way to get to heaven. That's what we believe in. And then you live your life one way, six days a week. And then you do your time on Sunday for one to two hours. That's how you raise them. And that's what they learn. They learn that Jesus, that Scripture, that worship is an event that we attend and punch our time cards once a week. They learn that Christ's church, His very body that He loves, is not that important to mom and dad. Because mom and dad can't be that inconvenienced by Bible study groups and small groups and prayer groups and evangelism and service to others and in the lives of others in the context of Christianity. More is caught than is taught. Or then sometimes we teach them the, the falsehood that they Our children are such a great gift of God. So much so that when they come, we put them before God. In the place of God. Instead of their arrival into the world, welcoming them into our Christ-centered church lives, they come and their arrival into the world changes all of that. More is caught than is taught. Or, positively, on the other hand, they may see how much we love the Lord Jesus. They see our sin. We admit our sin. They see us repent. They see us confess it. But they see how much we treasure Christ and how much we treasure what Jesus treasures. His church. They see that you, that you put your actual money and your actual time where your mouth is. More is caught than is taught. It's not a mistake that when Gallup poll comes out or Barna research, and where are these Hundreds of thousands of people that were from 7th to 12th grade raised in these wonderful youth groups spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a year just to run them. Where are they when they're 23? And they do surveys like they recently have done. And a large majority of these kids literally do not understand what the gospel of Jesus is. I'm just talking about the basics. They think that Christianity is about you should live a better life, be nicer to people, and you live that way, you go to heaven. What's caught is usually much more impacting than what's taught. Secondly, In all of our training, our training is first and foremost to be Christ-centered. It is to be gospel clear in our, as Paul says, training them up. 
the training of the Lord coming from Him. Jesus wants us to be radically Christ-centered, gospel-centered, Christian parents. Some of you aren't parents. You will be one day. You should be on the edge of your seat, listening, thinking about such things now. So, in light of that, just think about this. If Jesus was really raised from the dead historically in bodily. He is the truth. And this is how Jesus illustrated the truth of the gospel impacting a mom and a dad. He said it this way. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man or mom found and covered it up. And then, in their joy, they went home, sold everything they had, and bought the field. Parents, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction and the admonition of the Lord Jesus Christ. Shouldn't this mean that with all the trials we have, with divorced persons, with people that are separated, or those who are intact marriages, and all the pain and troubles and working that out mean, in, in, in all the shuttling our kids to one event after the other, in the making of a living, life is real, yes, but shouldn't this mean that the home, overall, in general, cloaking that, is a home of joy? And mom, dad. Yes, they cry. Yes, they hurt. Yes, they're always going up or down. But they are happy people. I don't mean fake. Yay, Jesus was to be happy. But with real life, ups and downs, sin in their own lives, and anger, and repentance, and they're forgiven. But overall, a happy mom. A happy dad particularly over their Savior, the kingdom of heaven. And so as we turn a little bit more to the basic discipline and admonition of our, of our children, cloak this this way. Overall, and what I'm going to say, This is what I hope in my family, and I hope for your family. Overall, we should want to be known by our love for our kids. Where home means security as they're growing up. Where it means safety. Where it means caring. Where it means they can be themselves. It is family. I'm not preaching anything different than that here. So, Paul says, 
bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So foundationally, that means it's the parent's job to teach their own children, whether they are adopted or not, to respect them from early on through appropriate correction through appropriate discipline. God has given parents authority over their kids. Children must learn through training to obey their parents. That's what Paul just said in verse 1, right? When he addressed the children who were being raised up. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And this comes through loving discipline. This is assumed through humanity. This is one of those marks that reflects the existence of the one true God in the midst of humanity. In the midst of culture. Every culture. Throughout history. When it comes to training. Demanding obedience. The healthy portions of those persons in every culture. Have just assumed this. Until our extremely wise present day world of godless ideological portions of psychology, child rearing, universities. It's just assumed. I'm going to give it all the instructions because the Bible doesn't teach you how to breathe either. It just assumes you breathe. And assumes in general parents know their parents and their kids are not. Unless they get taught out of that. So I say just to say this. That the discipline of children for those who are healthy and really love them is so assumed that the writer to the Hebrews just assumes it. And uses it as an illustration. When he writes, It is for discipline. That you, as Christians, under God, your Father, it is for discipline that you have to endure. See, God is treating you as sons. As His children. Listen to what he assumes. For, For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? He just assumes If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us. Now we're grown. And what what of it? We respected them for it. Want your kids to be happy growing up? You want them to be happy as adults and look back and really respect you, discipline them. 
When it comes then to discipline and correction, displeasurable consequences, whatever those kinds of things may be, and we find all kinds in our toolbox, right parents, over the years, and what works for this one and what doesn't work for this one. We parents, though, in the midst of all that, here's our struggle as sinners, we must remember that it is about their good. And it's not about our selfishness or our exhaustion or our frustration or our anger. A biblical worldview and a philosophy of child rearing should guide how we discipline and how we admonish them in the Lord. My kids are a chip off the old block. They're born into sin. They're born fallen. They must be molded and trained and taught at the core that the beginning of a wise life is the fear of God. And connected to that, the developing into a respectful adult and a citizen comes largely from a healthy fear of their parents who really love them more than anybody else on the whole planet. It's crucial. We have a culture that would have hated what I had just said. Because it's profoundly unwise. And it's hurting human beings. Whether they're 3 or 8 or 18. Who will be 30, 40 and 60. One day. So now, having said it, let me listen very carefully. I'm going to put this. If we, my wife and me, you parents, if we parented our children perfectly, then we would never have spanked them or deprived them from something or grounded them. And I don't. We would have never done those things from the basis of anger and our frustration. But there's only one perfect one. But this is what I want to say in light of that now. Just because no one has ever succeeded in parenting that way, perfectly, it doesn't mean we should drop that ideal. That ideal of this, the goal of good parenting is loving, controlled Discipline. Our basis for any forms of discipline, whether it is spanking or deterrence or deprivation of something that they would want or grounding or timeout or anything else, the basis, here's the ideal, is not to be because you and I are frustrated or angry. We're done. It is to be because we love them. And it's best for them. Children need food. Or they'll die. 
physically. Those same children, the immaterial soul in that body and connected to it, they need the Word. No. I mean need. I mean it is healthy for them. Oh, there's, you, they need the Word, yes. But boy, do they need the Word, no. Because they're sinners like you. And we have all kinds of sinful desires. And often, no, you may not fulfill that desire right now. We're helping you learn to control yourself, your nature. One day you will fly from the nest. Children, in order to be a... Here's a generality here. To be a more happy person being raised up as a child much less a happier adult, they need a healthy boundary system with consequences, with displeasurable consequences for their sin, for their defiance, for their disobedience. They need calm correction. From those who care about them, love them more than any other persons on earth. Their mom, their dad. Now we turn to us parents. We need perseverance. We need encouragement. To continue to be diligent in the discipline of our children. Because it's hard. Because we tend to get worn out. I watched it with my parents. Seven kids. My wife and I have six kids. So just assume just parenting into college. College age. That means 30 straight years of being this for them. But parents, we must continue to obey the Lord and to do what is right. To pray for and yearn for strength and to be more consistent in it for the sake of our children. And in our parenting, let me just say, never, never threaten out of proportion to the crime. And this is a foundational basic one that starts when a kid is a year, two years old on up. And that is, don't threaten anything. Just don't. If you don't mean to carry it out. Or if it's an impossibility for you to carry it out. Come here. If you don't come here, right now you got three seconds. I'm going to spank you. Three seconds are gone. No, no, I mean it. you got to come here. And you do that five times. It's hurting the child. 
The child is being trained to disrespect authority. It's to defeat our calling. And it will confuse our children. Now, let me say this. There is a huge difference between mistakes and defiance. Defiance, whether in a three-year-old or an eight-year-old or a twelve-year-old or a sixteen-year-old, that is that child or that young person challenging parental authority. Yeah, that right there is a battle of the wills of who's in charge. And so for the good of our children, parents, we cannot let them win that battle. Don't get me wrong. When we are wrong or we said something that was probably out of proportion and as they get older, they can make an argument, as I said last week, and realize you're right. That's not letting them win. Okay. But when we know we're right and it's a battle of defiance, we can't let them get away with it without loving recompense. In other words, we can't let them get away with clear, unambiguous defiance. Mistakes and accidents, spilling the milk, this, that, and that are never to be punished. Because they're mistakes. And we're, that's not what child training is about. It's about sin and clear defiance in the child. A three-year-old acting like a three-year-old is not to be punished. A three-year-old can be punished when she is clearly defiant. Ask Lindsay someday. But being a three-year-old is being a three-year-old. And yes, we're sinners and we get exhausted. And boy, we just want to run away. What is Calgon? That's just stuff you put in bath? Yeah, take me away. Let me just say this one then too. Because in the larger context where Paul's talking about the different community of mother and I mean husband and wife, father. I don't think it's an accident. And so this one is crucial and it's easy to miss, but it's a part of bringing up our kids in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is, if you're married, there are single parents, people doing it alone, and it's a hard job. But now, if you're in an intact marriage, the love and the respect between the husband and the wife is huge. Negative or positive or a mix in the formation and the raising of our children. Marriage is a parable of the gospel of Christ's sacrificial love for the church. And so in light of that, 
This is a huge temptation. I can speak as one who has been parenting for 21 years now and have six children too. It is massively huge problem that must be resisted. And that is the temptation to have children come into the family and replace your spouse. That is not a say that my wife has done that. Don't, don't hear that wrong. What was that about? No, it's just keep them distinct. But so often in our world and in our culture, children come and they replace her husband or replace his wife. And that is to ultimately do damage to them. So parents, our goal, our goal in bringing these children up as they are going through the developmental years, our goal day by day is not to be loved by our children. Our goal is to bring them up in the Lord. To bring them up in the discipline, the instruction, and the admonition of the Lord. And if you do that, here's a general reality, principle. They will be happier adults. And they will, as adults, love you for it in the end. So finally, parents, future parents, we're Christians. We are to act like Christians. We are to live like Christians. We are to raise our children up in the Lord. Paul, can I restate? What you meant by raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord Paul. I think what you mean is just love Jesus and be that kind of person. Raise them up in that atmosphere. By living our lives, Paul, saturated with Christ and truth. And living the church life. And loving Jesus' body. I think you'd say yes. Love them. Their first and foremost curriculum before history and math and writing and reading. Well, you need the reading to do the other. Is Bible. Their lives are to be raised in the culture of prayer meetings. Church worship services. Dinners with believers talking about Christ and Bible studies. They are to see their parents moved and constantly checked by the intended meaning of Scripture that rebukes their parents and their parents are home. Yes, they got a girl. They're, they're just raised up in the atmosphere of a Christian home. They're raised up with a clear worldview that in Paul's day was so different. From the predominant worldview. 
And that in our day is more and more so different than the predominant world. A world through which as they grow into the teenage years and into young adulthood, they got good sense in their head. They see what's underneath the stupidity of the culture and where it's coming from. And why the scripture is right because there's a God. They have a worldview in which to filter and to interpret all that's happening around them in pop culture or the university. Raise them that way. Raise them as Jesus-loving, sold-out, church, body of Christ people because more is caught than is taught. And in all this, they should catch this. My parents or my parents, they are followers of Jesus Christ. And they're happy. We are to love Christ. We do sin. We repent. We ask our kids to forgive us when we sin against them. But we commit our money, we commit our time, and we commit our talents to the Lord, and we discipline our children. We are their authority figure. But above all of that then, oh, I plead with this one, this is what they, they need to catch. My parents are happy. Now, they're not giddy. They're happy. Christ is good. And that is attractive. That's right. Father, help help us as moms, as dads, persevere, continue on, even though we long for the days of grandparenting at times, may we who are still yet parenting that first generation give us strength, give us love, give us happiness, give us perseverance, give us steadfastness to do what is right, to have long-term goals and views, for the sake of those ones you have given into our care and thus to whom and for whom we live so much of our lives. Help us. And Father, through it all, our prayer is this. That every one of them, by the sovereign grace of your Spirit and the use with the Spirit of that culture in which they're raised, come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Amen.